in and uh, we'll uh, work our way down through uh, the end of this passage, the end of the chapter here, uh, Mark 5. Uh, we're into verse 21 now. And really, this passage, as we go down through it, uh, has, uh, there are two different stories going on at the same time. And they're going to paint a picture, and they're interwoven. And to get the flow of the thought here and everything as uh, we move through it, verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship, Unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. So he's, verse one, 5, 1, and they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And we were, we've been up there, we've been looking at the, what is called the maniac of Gadara, the, the man with the, un, with the legion, the unclean spirits in him. The fact that the Lord was, was demonstrating how he's going to liberate the nation of Israel both houses of Israel, and we looked at that, we've, we've studied out. Now he's coming back across the sea, across the, 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 the Sea of Galilee there. He's coming back to the other side, and there's a whole bunch of people waiting for him. And he's, he, again, he's been over, he's delivered, he set the guy up, the guy wants to come back with him, no, go home, tell everybody, and then he comes in, he, now he's back. Verse 22, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. So we have Jairus's daughter, little daughter, little daughter, as is what he calls her. She she's sick. She lieth at the point of death. Verse twenty-three. She. Uh, by the way, he, he's a ruler of the synagogue, so he's well aware of who Christ is, what he's capable of doing, uh, and uh, he understands who he is. He comes to him. And he says, hey, my little daughter. Now, if you look down at verse 42, the little daughter is 12 years old. Verse 42, and straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with the great astonishment. So she's 12 years old here. So she's not a little baby. She's actually... Uh, 12 years old. Now, 12 in the scripture is the number of Israel. So we're going to see a picture here. We're going to see a picture in, the, in Darius's daughter, and we're going to see a picture in the, in the woman with the issue of blood. And she is a picture of the spiritual condition in Israel at the moment. She is sick. She's nigh unto death. And by the way, she's going to die. So she's a picture here of, here's Israel spiritually. They are nigh unto death. They're dying. Ultimately, they're going to die. Here's a ruler of the synagogue. That vain religious system is, kill, is killing the nation of Israel. And so Jesus is going to go now to Jairus' daughter, Jairus' home, and he's going to heal her. So 
And by the way, obviously, Jarius, dad, would say what? Let's go quickly. Hurry up. Let's go. Let's go. But there's a great crowd following him, and, and they're thronging him. They're slowing him down. Now watch verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Now, she's been sick for 12 years. So for 12 years, this lady's been sick as long as the little girl has been alive. Now, get, now there's a picture here we're going to paint. Actually, the Lord's painting. We're reading it and studying it. Verse 26. And had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was getting, and, and was, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. She's, she's spent all of her money. She's been to every doctor in town. She's even tried. She's even checked out the whole, the the natural path stuff. She's checked everything out, and she can't get better. Her condition is just getting worse and worse. Psalms 107 talks about Israel's condition, and they get to their wit's end. She's at her wit's end. She just can't get there. She's at the end of it. She's sick. When she had heard, verse 27, of Jesus coming to the, in, the, in the press behind, when, I'm sorry, when she had heard of Jesus, well, I've tried everything else. I'm going to try the man right over here. What she do? She comes in the press behind and touched his garment. She, so she's at her wit's end. She's still sick. She's did everything she could do. She's looking for help. There's no remedy. She, but she heard about the Messiah. There he is. So she comes and she touches his garment. Verse 28. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So she is going to become a picture of the believing remnant of that little flock. If you look down at verse 34. And he, that's the Lord, said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Jeremiah 6 talks about the daughters of Zion. Now, in verse 25, she's a woman, a certain woman. Now, in verse 34, she's a daughter. So Israel is always referred to as a woman, Mary. When he looks at Mary, his mother, and says, woman, what do I have to do? That, that is not derogatory. That's an identification of the fact that Mary is representing the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, the seed of Isaac, the seed of Jacob, and so forth. And this lady is going to be, become a picture of this daughter, thy faith, verse 34, hath made thee whole. She literally becomes a picture of the believing remnant. So get the picture here. Here's a picture of Israel dying. The vain religious systems got them. They're stuck. They can't move on. They can't. And then here's a picture of the believing remnant. 
that's going to come up within that nation, within that apostate nation, here now is a believing nation. So when you come back up to verse 27 here, when she heard of Jesus and came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. That's the dare of faith, if I can just touch him, (laughs) okay? She knows he's the Messiah. She knows that. She's, and that she knows he's the Messiah. She knows if I can touch him, he'll heal me. So her faith is what causes her to reach out and touch him. Now, if you come over to Luke 8, where this account is also, uh, by the way, it's also in Matthew 9, uh, Darius's daughter is, but in Luke 8, if you look at verse 44, there's a thing here about his garment. Luke 8, 44, uh, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. See that border? There, we have a song that touched the hem of it. It's not a hem, it's the border. And that's going to be very important So we have two things with the lady. We have an issue of blood that we need to look at, and then we have this issue of touching his garment. So come back with me to Leviticus 15. Leviticus 15, and let's see the issue here of the blood. She can't get help. Twelve years she's got the problem. And finally, she's going to get some help with the Messiah. In Leviticus 15... Uh, verse 19, and if a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart seven days, and whosoever toucheth her shall be unclean until the evening. So the issue of blood, here's her condition. We're in Leviticus 15, okay? Here's, here's her condition. She's been unclean. She's been separated She's been set apart. She can't go to the temple and worship. She's been this way for 12 years. So there's there's an issue that's going on here. Now hold on to Leviticus 15 and come over to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. In Ezekiel 36... Uh, the Lord is taking Israel. He's looking toward the restoration of Israel and her going into her kingdom. It starts there in verse 16, but just for a moment, drop down to verse 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all the countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you now that issue of i'm going to gather you together and then i'm going to sprinkle clean water so the baptism in water baptism in scripture sprinkling that's what it is when they did it but notice the issue here of and ye shall be clean now hold on to ezekiel run back to leviticus 15 because in the in the issue of blood There is a prescription on how to clean them, how to cleanse them. Uh, 15 uh, verse, verse 28. But if she be cleansed of her issue, 
Then she shall number to herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean. So after the issue, after she's been cleansed, but drop, run back up to verse 13, Leviticus 15, 13. And when he, had, when he that hath an issue is cleansed of his issue, then he shall number to himself seven days for his cleansing and wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in running water and shall be clean. So the first step in the cleansing aspect is this issue of washing. By the way, Leviticus 15 was written a long time ago, okay, 1,500 years before Christ. And they knew that running water was the best way to clean a wound, clean something up. And it's only until we get into the 19th and 20th century does man catch up to Scripture <laughs> and say, hey, let's, run some, let's have running water be how we clean, get clean. So when you come back to Ezekiel 36, there's an issue. The prescription for cleaning up Israel the, and getting them ready to go into the land this issue is this issue of verse 25, Ezekiel 36, 25, a sprinkling clean water upon them. Now, again, clean water, the washing, that has to do with the royal priesthood and getting them ready for the priesthood. Verse 26, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away your, the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and ye shall be my people and I will be your God. They're going to get a new heart. This is the new covenant that happens after the second coming right as... as they're going to go into the kingdom, the millennial kingdom. They get all, all of this happens to them because he's restored back his people. He's cleansed them. He's taken, he's taken them out of the heathen. He's brought them over here. He's cleaned them. He's washed them. And now they're ready to go in and inherit the kingdom and be his people, and he will be their God. Okay? Now, go back up to verse 16, because he's going to explain to them why you're in captivity. Again, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, are those, those four, well, four major prophet writers are going off into Babylonian captivity, into the 70 years. Okay, well, Why is that happening? Verse 16, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man... When the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they dwelt, uh, I'm sorry, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanliness of a removed woman. There's the woman with the blood issue back in Leviticus 15. Wherefore, I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. You see that issue of blood. They had shed so much blood in the idolatry worship, in Baal worship, that they had literally polluted the land. So God says, okay, you're going to go off the land for 70 years. 
Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel talk about it. Daniel, is a la- he's taken under the third siege there by Nebuchadnezzar. He's taken off. And when Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, Babylonian kingdom, comes to the end, Daniel 9, he says, look, 70 years is up. It's time to go back. And the Lord says, yeah, the land's clean, but the people are still dirty. So we're going to go 70 weeks of years is what it ends up being. So we're going to go 490 more years before you're ever going to get to the land, get to enjoy her, because I'm not going to put a dirt, if I put a dirty people in a clean land, they're just going to dirty it up. So you get into Daniel 9, and we've seen that schedule there in, in past studies. So when you come back to Mark 5, what, she's got this issue of blood, this removed woman. So here you have a picture of why is Israel in captivity? Because they were shedding this blood in this worship to Baal. And how do you get rid of it? Well, the prescription first is wash them and then forgive them and, and so forth. So the woman comes as a picture here of that believing remnant that God will redeem out of Israel and take over and put into the kingdom. That's why when he says there to the Pharisees, it is your father's good pleasure to do what? Give you the kingdom, the little flock. If you're not a little flock, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then he says to the Pharisees, we're taking it from you and giving it to a nation, singular. That little flock, that righteous nation, that foolish nation, Moses calls them, that sits inside of the apostate nation. Now, in Mark 5, she touches his garment. Luke 8, the border. So you're in Ezekiel. Uh, maybe, I don't know where you're at. Go back over to Deuteronomy 22. Let's talk about the garment. Deuteronomy 22. Deuteronomy 22. <clears throat> I said this when we studied the Gospels. I say it whenever we study really anything. You need to understand your whole Bible. Now, we understand it dispensationally. You know, Israel, body, and make those distinctions. But you need to understand the whole body, your whole scriptures, because we're in Mark 5. This is the Lord's minute, and he's talking about stuff back here in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 22. Look at verse 11. Thou shalt not wear a garment of divers sort as of woolen and linen together. He's talking about clothing. Here's the law. You can't have mixed fabric. Now, if you've got a shirt on, this shirt's 100% cotton. But if you've got one that's a mix, that's a no-no. By the way, this is where, if you look at verse 5, this is where the preachers are really kind of, Stupid is the word, but it's not the polite word. (laughs) The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. So women can't wear pants. They have to wear what? Skirts, dresses. The problem is when you study the Old Testament, you find out like in Ruth with Boaz that he laid out his skirt. So men in the Old Testament wore skirts. So they can't wear skirts. So what are they to wear? See, see, the issue here isn't what they're wearing. The issue is the issue of cross-dressing. They're not supposed to cross-dress. You're supposed to look like a woman, and you're supposed to look like a man. 
So what does modern-day Christianity do? Oh, you can't wear that. It's not what he's talking about. That's just to stay out of it. But verse 11, by the way, for verse 11, the reason you can't wear the mixed clothing, Israel, wasn't because it would cause them any sinful harm, but rather it was designed to set them apart, make them look different. If you, couldn't, if you, if you could only wear wool, now here at 110 would be a little warm, you wouldn't live here. That's why there's a very small Jewish community here. <laughs> it's 110 and we have to wear this solid you know, color. Then what would happen in Israel? Hey, why are you wearing all black, if you will? Why is that? What's going on? Well, we're God's people. God's law says to do this. That's just like eating the, the, the dietary law. There's nothing wrong with eating bacon and a ham s- sandwich or a uh, shrimp or lobster, which they're not supposed to have shrimp. They're not supposed to have lobster because that's the catfish of the sea. You're not supposed to eat that stuff. There's nothing physically going to hurt you. What does that do? It sets them apart. Why do you have a dietary restriction? Well, because we are God's people. Now watch verse 12, because here's what the verse we're after. Thou shalt make the fringes upon the four quarters of thy vesture, wherewith thou coverest thyself. They're to, they're to make a fringe, and it's to go around it. So literally, they're wearing a robe, okay? And, you know, it's hard to put this on four corners. So they're, the, the Jew, they, were, they were, when they put on a robe... It was to have a fringe around the bottom of it. So when she comes, come over to Numbers 15. So when this lady comes and touches the border, Numbers 15, she's, she, it doesn't say she touched his shoulder. It says she touches the border. She reaches out and catches the bottom of the garment. And what that represents is here is the Lord Jesus Christ wearing the garment that is demonstrating his obedience to the law. What does the law require? The law says you wear a robe, you put a border, a fringe on it. He's wearing the garment that the law said to wear. So his clothing is in obedience to the law of Moses. Here's what it said. Notice Numbers 15, verse 37. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon uh, that they put upon the fringe of the border a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that ye sh- seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye use to go a-whoring, that ye may remember and do all the commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. What were they? 
what was Israel supposed to do? What's the requirement? They're to put this fringe on it, on the border, and it was designed to identify them as being in obedience to God's law, to the commandments. Verse 39 there, and it shall be unto you for a friends that ye may look upon it and remember. It, by the way, they, they put that ribbon of blue. You've heard of blue laws back in the day. They don't do them anymore. Blue laws were uh, rules, laws in communities where everything was closed on Sunday except for the essential businesses, grocery stores. So uh, Home Depot would be closed, but Fry's would be open. But then in Fry's, the liquor department would be closed because it was a sin to drink on the Sabbath because they thought Sunday was the Sabbath. So you've got those blue laws that comes from this right here. That's where that comes from. But the fringe is to be what? On the garment, the border there, and what was it to do? It was designed to remind them of the law. So when you come back to Mark 5, here's this lady. She's got an issue. She needs to be cleansed. She knows that if I go and, and touch his, his garment, the, the, the garment, the border of the garment, the garment there that is demonstrating that Christ is keeping the law. I mean, you think about that. He is the righteousness of the law because of who he is, but he's demonstrating it for all to see. In verse 28, she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. That dare of faith, there he is. He's keeping the righteousness of the law. He is the righteousness of the law. He's the Messiah. You know what? It, 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 if I get there, it'll heal me. Well, verse 29, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Guess what? It worked. <laughs> she, she, so here you have the woman, she's, in verse 34, in a minute she's going to be called a daughter, and it's that dare of faith to go get it, to go to him and to touch him. Now watch verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Now think about that. Jesus, he's walking along, she grabs him, hold of his garment, and virtue goes out. Now, what went out of him was healing power, okay? Now, healing power is not virtue. Now, the verse says virtue went out. So then what is virtue? Well, what's he dressed in? He's in that robe of the righteousness of the law. Virtue is described as, defined as righteousness. So here he is, the one who has the righteousness of the law, keeping it, keeping something that she didn't have. She's been unclean. She hasn't been able to go 12 years to, to, the, to even participate in it. She needs it. She touches him, faith. And his righteousness goes out and heals her physically and spiritually, verse 34 indication. Faith did it. 
So when it says here, the virtue, he's talking about his righteousness. The righteousness of him doing and being who he is as the Messiah. This isn't, so the healing power isn't the virtue. The virtue is his righteousness. But what's he doing? He's the righteousness of the law represented by him wearing that garment and wearing it properly. She's come, she's touched it, and then he turns and says, who touched me? Now, you know he knows who touched him. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 3. Where are you, Adam? He knows where Adam is, you know. So it's not a question of, of ignorance, who touched me. Rather, it's a question of accountability. Verse 31. And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? <laughs> they don't get it. Come on, Lord, you see all the people, and you're wondering who touched you? You know, come on. Well, guess what happens, verse 32. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And that's why he asked the question, who touched me? Who touched, um, who touched my clothes? That's why. It isn't that he didn't know who, who she was or what was happening. It's rather Psalms 50 says, I will deliver you and then you're going to glorify me. So what is she doing? He's delivered her. Now she's glorifying him. What does she do? She comes and she tells him the, all the truth. Now, who's watching this? Now, think about this. The Lord's on his way to Jairus' daughter, who's dying. By the way, she's dead now. Okay? And yet, he stops to deal with her. Because he's walking along, she grabs him, touches him, and his garment, and he stops. I mean, he stops. Now, what do you think Jairus is doing? Come on, come on. What do you, don't worry about it. She'll be fine. She's coming. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, let's go, let's go. And he says, wait. Who touched me? And he turns around and he's looking. And she then stops. He healed her. So she glorifies him. Verse 34, And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Again, what made her whole? And again, it's whole. Not partial. we got to come back next week for a second dose. You know, the whole thing. That, that wonderful thing in, in Acts Three there, where Peter and John come up, and that guy's sitting there outside the temple. The picture of here is uh, Israel, impotent Israel, can't get into the king, can't get into the temple. And here's the little flock represented in Peter and John, and they come. and He goes, I don't have any money to give you, but I have Jesus of Nazareth arise and walk. And immediately that guy gets up and takes off. He doesn't have to have a second giving or a second this or that, it's instantly. Here, but her faith is what did that. And that's what he's uh, driving home here, that believing remnant. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. What a wonderful account. She comes, sees the Messiah, makes contact with his righteousness, and has his righteousness imputed to her, Spiritually, she's, she's in, she's in the believing remnant, 
and physically healed. The whole picture of Israel's thy faith. Again, what motivated her to go and touch him was her faith. She had a doctrinal understanding of what was going on around her. She has seen him. Luke 8, 1, he's preaching and showing the kingdom, the, 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 miracle, the signs of the kingdom. He's over here healing the sick and casting out the unclean spirits. He sees, she sees that. She knows who he is. And she's like, if I can just, verse 28, if I may touch but his clothes, I'll be whole. If I can just get the garment, just I need the bottom fringe. That's all I need. I know who he is. I know what his garment represents. And if I can just touch him, then everything will be taken care of. And that's a beautiful picture of the believing remnant. Trusting Christ, trusting him as Messiah, being restored, and then ready for the kingdom. Now, verse 35. While he yet spake, uh uh-oh, here we go, there came... From the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any more, any further? While all this is happening, what's happened to Jairus' daughter? She's dead. Now, a couple things here. This is typical Lord Jesus Christ, Lord's way of doing it. Typical of how God interacts with Israel. We're going to go do this, but before we do that, we're going to delay. We're going to do this over here. Moses, you go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. But before he's going to do that, we're going to have ten plagues, and we're going to bust out some power on his head, and we're going to do some other things. So what do the people think? Moses goes in, we're going to deliver you. I'm the deliverer. I'm here. They think it's instantly, and God says, no, we got about six months here. Relax. You're going to do this, Moses. You're going to do this. And that principle of delay. John 11, Lazarus, sister, send the Lord. Lazarus is sick, come. He delays two, three days before he gets there. Meanwhile, what's Lazarus done? He's dead. Sisters say, hey, Lord, if, if you'd have just been here, it wouldn't have happened. He goes, it's okay. Lazarus, come forth. I know he hops. Somebody unwrap him. He stinks. Let's get him in the bath. Come on. You know. But that's the, that is the routine. He's going to Jairus' daughter. He's moving. This woman grabs him, stops him. Hey, who touched me? Now he deals with her. Meanwhile, verse 35, the daughter died. The little girl is dead. And so first we see the great principle here and how God deals with the nation. I'm on my way, but we're gonna, we get delayed. By the way, that's what all the parables are about is about the delay. We're on our way to the kingdom. Kingdom's coming. Up, oh, we're going to delay. Something else has got to happen. We've, we saw it when we went through Mark 3 in there. What's going to happen? Well, Calvary's going to happen. That's what's going to The crucifixion is. Then we'll get to the kingdom. But we're getting there, but first we've got to do this. But then there's this issue here of her dying. Okay, verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh 
to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And oh my goodness, here we go. Now we got soul sleep, and now we got all this stuff. And yet, you're, when they get into that, they miss what's happening here. Notice what's happening. He's going to, again, delays. He's going to deliver the nation. Now he's going to Jairus' daughter, and, and, and uh, we're going to see that. He's going to go take care of the nation of Israel, Jairus' daughter, but he delays over here because the believing remnant, that little flock's got to be in existence. It's got to be there, takes care of them. Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, what? Be not afraid, only what? Believe. Let's hold on to the faith issue here, Bubba. <laughs> you know, hold on. Then he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John. The big three. The three surnamed apostles. There they are. So the whole 12 don't go, just Peter, James, and John. By the way, if you drop down to verse uh, 40, they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother. So you have the Lord, you have Peter, James, and John, mom and dad, that's it. No one else is there. You only have a remnant that's there, watching and participating in the restoration of the nation of Israel. That's the picture being painted here. Okay? He's going to come in, actually the Acts period, Acts 1 to 7, that one-year extension there. Who's he working through? He's working through that believing remnant to restore back the nation of Israel. Verse 38 he cometh to the house of the ruler, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. I mean, a tremendous. Here's twelve-year-old girl dies. That's a that's a heartache, you know. We see it on the news nightly. Young people dying. That's it's tragic. You know, whole life in front of her. Look at her, and they're just wailing. Verse thirty-nine. Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Now. In Scripture, that word sleep is talking about being dead. Paul uses it in 1 Thessalonians 4. But think about sleep. If I'm asleep, what ultimately is going to happen to me? I'm going to wake up. Resurrection. It's a soft term to describe someone who's dead because what's coming? Resurrection is coming, see. So when, when he says, when humanity says she's what? Dead. There ain't nothing there. No pulse, no nothing. The Lord comes in and says, no, she's just asleep. She's going to rise here in a minute. See, the fascinating thing in 1 Thessalonians 4, when Paul there talks about the rap, what we call the rapture, he says those that are asleep in Christ, and then he says about Christ that he died and was resurrected. Why? Because the Lord's death is more tragic than your death. When you think about the events of it, 
and what he went through and was doing rather than what we do when we take our last breath, if the Lord tarries. So when you get into this, he, the damsel's not dead, but she's asleep. It's, it has to do with perception. Humanly speaking, she is dead. That's why verse 40, and they laughed him to scorn. Why? Because they're looking at this like you and I would look at it going, nope, she, there's no pulse there. So the Lord looks over and says, get out. He, he gets verse 40, but when he had put them all out, who did he put out, by the way? The unbelievers. He told dad, hang tight, believe, <laughs> take a breath, believe. He gets to the house and all the unbelievers are like, if you'd only been here, it wouldn't have happened. And he says, there's the door, get out. He gets rid of the unbelievers. He goes in with the three, mom and dad. They enter in where the damsel was lying, verse 41. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, and I'm glad they did that, interpret it for us. Damsel, I say unto thee, what? Arise. He goes in, and it's time for resurrection. He speaks the word of life, the breath of life, to that nation. Now, the picture is Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. What does he do in the valley of dry bones? He breathes life across them. And he, that breath of life is, is breathed into the nation. And there's national resurrection. Here's the picture. That's what the Lord's doing. He's drawing these pictures. By the way, who gets it? Only that believing element get it. The rest of them, they just see her dead, and then they're going to see her in a minute here come out walking. Straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. She gets up, she's walking, and he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. She gets up. She walks. He says, you need to feed her. She's 12 years old. She's a growing young lady. All of this de is demonstrating the complete and total resurrection and restoration of the nation of Israel. Perfectly restored back to life. Completely and totally. Yet first, that little flock, that believing remnant, has to be established, has to be formed. He does that. Then he goes over and he deals with the nation. In verse 38 there, And he cometh to the house of the ruler, of the house of Israel, the house of Judah. Your house is desolate. I'm leaving your house is empty now. I was in your house. I'm outside of the house. All of the, that house association with the nation. There he is. Now, the interesting thing in verse 43 is that he charged them straightly that no man should know it. If you run back up to verse 20, uh, 20 uh, verse 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him, and that's the guy he just cast the legion out of, not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things 
the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion. So he tells that guy, you go tell him, these guys don't tell anybody. Chapter 3, he does it, same thing, don't tell anybody. And the reason for that is, <laughs> is first of all, who knows what happened? Only that believing remnant, only that little group of people. Mom and dad, the three, Peter, James, and John, the Lord, and mom and dad. Now, obviously, the group sees the girl walking around and talking. So that's there, but they're not to do what? They're not to go out and broadcast it. And that's what the parables are all about. That's what this time in the Lord's ministry is all about. The parables are there. So one group, the believing remnant, get and understand what's going on, while that apostate nation, the unbelievers, don't understand, don't get it. The little flock gets it. The apostate nation doesn't get it. So the whole picture here, we'll start in chapter 6 when, when we get back. <laughs> the whole picture here is a picture of what's going on in the earthly ministry of Christ. The delay principle he says we're going to go do this Jarius let's go we're going to go he delays Jarius's daughter dies he forms the church or the 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 body of Christ the little flock I'm not the body of Christ the little flock I was thinking about BR believing remnant I use little things in my notes BOC body of Christ you know DOG dispensation of grace you know just so I don't have to write out the whole thing Believing remnant gets them established because they, they have to be on the scene. And then he goes over and he's going to restore the believing element within the nation of Israel. So really what we see here in the flow, no one would have ever thought I got through that many verses at one time. 21 to 43, usually we're stuck on one or two. But the flow here, the issue of blood, the removed woman, it has to be dealt with in Israel's history. The resurrection, the restoration of the nation, it has to. So there's pictures here for Israel about her future, what's going to come, what's happening, but then about him being who he's been saying he is. And ultimately, if you come over to John, John 8, I believe it is. Oh. How about... John 5. Let's do John 5. Therefore, verse 18, John 5, 18. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. They, they, they've been, he's been saying that since, well, since Gabriel talked to Mary and Joseph about him being Emmanuel, that is God with us. And they've been trying to kill him ever since, so he's doing the parables and everything so that all that calms down, okay? Now, we'll start in, math, in, in uh, Mark 6 next time, and you'll see him go, we're going to see him go back to Nazareth now. And he's going to leave Capernaum, that, that, actually Capernaum up there, Galilee, that is his hometown. He leaves Nazareth, goes there, a lot of ministry out of there, but now he's going to go back to Nazareth, and then we'll see him deal with uh, 
some things that are going to come to pass. He's going to walk on the sea. He's going to do different things. And again, it's so that the believing remnant catch what's happening and that apostate nation miss it and uh, therefore fulfilling Isaiah and, and the Old Testament. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening. We thank you for the look here into Mark, for the pictures that are drawn, for the ability to look back and to see and to put them together and to just rejoice in what you have planned for your people, the nation of Israel. In your name we pray. Amen.